Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. So glad to be back. Hopefully EA has left you alone this week and you were able to have a nice <sighs> week. You couldn't even let me get one sentence into the show before bringing them up. Oh, God, Ryan, they are honestly the worst. And well, OK, I don't know if it's EA who's the worst or if it's the Xbox Game Pass stuff that's the worst or if it's the combination of the two. I will say I've never had a problem with the Xbox app before this, and I have never had a problem like playing or installing anything like losing saves or anything on Xbox. Just the straight up Game Pass. I can go between PC and my Xbox. No problems. But for some reason, lost in random. <laughs> just oh my god I tried to go back to it I really really did and uh I think it was like might have been on Friday because I feel like I kind of like finished work and I'm like okay I don't really have anything I have to do I'm like what do I want to do and I'm like you know what I was having a really good time in Lost and Random I'm gonna go back to that and and play some more of it and then so I brought up my Xbox app to click the button to play the game and it said install game question mark I was like, what do you mean install game? <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to push the button just to see what happens. And I pushed the button and it was like, and it gave me the same error that it had been giving me when I was having all the password issues and everything else. And I was just like, oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> so I, I was like, okay, Ryan said it worked fine on the Xbox. Oh, no. So I'm just going to, I'm just... <laughs> No, don't worry. Don't oh, worry. Okay. <laughs> this is basically just me. This is my story of how I abandoned Lost and Random. Uh, so basically, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to stop trying to make it work on PC. Clearly, something is screwed up. These services don't work well together. I'm going to just go to my Xbox, play on the couch, and relax, and then everything will be fine because I can't be bothered to fight with EA anymore. And Ryan said it worked. So I'm like, so I booted up the console, got all ready to go. And then I was like, oh man, I have to, I have to download. Okay, fine. So I started the download and everything worked, but it will mean I don't have a save because it's not saved in the Xbox stuff. It's saved on the EA side. So like my save game's like gone. But anyways, I started the download and like, I don't know why it was so slow, but like it took like 10 minutes and it had only downloaded like 20% of the game. And I was like, this is so weird. It's taking so long. So I was like, well, what else can I do while I wait? And then I realized I hadn't actually beaten Nobody Saves the World yet. So I started playing that instead. And I like, it's one of those things where, you know, when you, because we've talked about this a bunch of times, when you play a game at the beginning of the year, by the end of the, the year, when you're thinking about like game of the year and whatever, a lot of those like early January, February, March titles can slip your mind. And I feel like that's what happened already with Nobody Saves the World. It's like I forgot how much fun I had playing that game. And uh, so I got right back into it and unlocked a whole bunch of stuff and beat the game. And like I had so much fun. <laughs> and I was just like, man, this game really was phenomenal. I actually ended up gifting it to a friend over the weekend too, and he's now played it and beat it as well. And he was like, yeah, that was super fun. It, like, it's just such a good game. So I'm not going to talk too much about Nobody Saves the World like itself, because obviously we've done that already. But 
Um, this is the first time because I don't usually like replay a lot of games like Ryan. I know you're probably very similar because it feels like every week you're coming to me with a new thing that you've played. There's no way you could play as many new things as you do and also replay a bunch of stuff at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't often replay games. I'll I'll sometimes replay like older games that I enjoyed. Um, I think I've, we all go back to you know our favorite Nintendo titles, but I I think in terms of like replaying a game start to finish would have been just related to like game clubs or uh, you know journeys towards specific releases. Um, sometimes the fourth <laughs> entry it shall not be named. <laughs> we don't take any. Uh, we take paths, not roads. Uh, we don't use roads anymore. <laughs> Where we're going, we really don't need roads when you think about it, but. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I have, I remember I was just looking it up. Uh, nobody saves the world. We talked about it, as you said, in January and I, I had honestly forgotten about it because until I opened the notes, I don't know, I texted you and I was just checking in and, and you had said you played it. I'm like, oh yeah, that game. I did really like that one. And, um, it was the one where you could be a bunch of different things. So like, yeah, what, what, uh, what things were at the end? I'm curious. Was there anything crazy? I was going to say, yeah, so maybe I should uh, I'll, I'll give a little bit of an overview in case you guys don't remember from six months ago when we talked about this game. So Nobody Saves the World was the um, dungeon crawler where you kind of like wake up in this fantasy realm and you're nobody and you don't have any of your memories. You don't know what's going on. You're this like generic white blob of a person and uh, you are but you do have a wand. And you're able to wield the wand and the wand lets you change your forms. So you start out the game being able to just be nobody or I think a rat is the first one. And then shortly after you get the ability to be a rat, then you get the ability to turn into a ranger and a guard. And it kind of goes from there. So they're kind of like generic fantasy characters at the beginning. And then it starts to branch out into all different kinds of things. And you have to get each form to a certain level. So you start off as like, Uh, Do you start off as F? I think you start off as F and then you go all the way up to S. So like um, F, D, C, B, you know, like letter grades and then S tier, you're the top. Um, And so once you get up to a certain level with one form, it'll unlock the next thing in the tree. And some things might have like two or three that you have to get to a certain level before you unlock the next one. Like it's kind of like a branching paths kind of thing. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. If we want to spoil it like too much, but yeah. I also feel like the forms are fairly, I can't remember if they actually say what they are underneath the picture or if just the silhouette's really obvious. But um, like this, I remember when I first started playing, it was really obvious, like the super ultra mega top form is the dragon. Um, so you actually get to turn into a dragon, which is really cool. As soon as I unlock the dragon, I'm like, I'm not playing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> so but yeah um so yeah you kind of like traverse the land and you're trying to save it from the calamity which is this like growth like gooey stuff all over everything <laughs> I'm like i don't know how better to explain it um and uh you like have to go into different dungeons and you know collect five things and then you know, do a bunch of boss fights and and it, it's it's that kind of game, right? <laughs> so uh yeah, it was it's really, really fun. Anyways, so I ended up playing that instead of Lost and Random, because I had never actually finished the game. Um I got Matt, my husband, hooked on it as well, and he played it and beat it before I beat it. And I was like, oh man. 
Yeah, I remember that. Totally. Yeah, you remember how it killed my love of the game? Like, I could not put this game down. And then Matt picked it up and beat it. And I was like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Yep>. So anyways, <laughs> I got over that hump and, you know, decided to get back in. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because this is actually my first time doing a new game plus for something. I've never actually like restarted a game. And I know we've talked about it a ton where, you know, like, I mean, well, I feel like we just talked about it a couple weeks ago because Forbidden West had a big patch and, and added new game plus functionality. And I was like, they added a thing. I don't even really know what it is, but they added a thing. Um, so yeah, this is my first experience with New Game Plus just as a concept. So I thought it'd be worth talking about. Um, stop me if I'm boring. <laughs> no, it's, I, you know what? It's funny. Like, I think New Game Plus is, uh, it, it's such a, it's, it's a really cool concept in that, you know, you can bring in, obviously, uh, usually bringing in a lot of your powers and abilities that you've unlocked over the course of the game and, and have them from the beginning. And I'm trying to remember if... I think I maybe played um, a new game plus for the infamous game that, that came out at the start of the generation for the PlayStation 4 um, because you could play as either good or, or evil. And I remember going back in new game plus, I did the, the good side first and I did the, the uh, you know, an evil playthrough afterwards. And I was able to bring in a lot of my, a lot of my powers. So I had everything from, I think the beginning, if I'm remembering it correctly, but yeah, I think uh, if I do check out New Game Plus, it's usually like to play a couple more hours because I really enjoyed the game and I want to have, you know, more time in that world. Um, but I, I often don't go all the way through. I, I often am pulled away eventually. Um, I think New Game Plus is a really good opportunity to jump back into an experience you enjoyed but i i feel like i I should probably give myself like a a week away from it first well and that's kind of the thing is like so i hadn't played this since we covered it in january so i had a bit of a break from it and i didn't kind of realize how close to the end of the game i got so i had like two major dungeons because there's like five major i think they call them legendary dungeons or something but there's like five legendary dungeons in the game and then like one boss fight dungeon and then there's a whole bunch of smaller dungeons that are sprinkled around the world that help you like build up your power and and everything else um and so basically i had two legendary dungeons left along with the big boss fight at the end and I was and then maybe two or three um, like smaller dungeons. So I, I really only had about two to three hours left of playtime in the game. And I just like after playing it for like 25 hours, I was like, Meh, I don't need this last two hours of game time to wrap up the story. Stupid Matt beating the game so fast and killing my enthusiasm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyways, I, I kind of like went back in, played for a few hours, and then I was like, oh, the game's over now. Huh. But I want to keep going. And uh, and yeah, I didn't realize. I thought it was just like a new save, but then with like an increased difficulty level or something, I didn't realize that you get to actually, when you start a new game plus, bring over a lot of the progress. And so essentially... What they do is in Nobody Saves the World, anyways, I'm pretty sure each game probably has its own kind of set of rules. But um, I basically brought over the character progress that I had done. So like all the forms that I had unlocked, all of the progress on them. So like all my different tier levels and stuff, um, all of the perks that I'd unlocked, like my current amount, like my money came over. 
and then uh, and my character level. And then the kind of caveat to that was that all of the enemies throughout the entire game, because it used to be like there were some lower level areas and some higher level areas and generally you could out level some stuff. So they basically said all enemies are your level from now on. So like right from the very start of the game, stuff was like level 65. And then uh, all of the dungeons. Oh, you could only get uh, the story progression currency, which was like those stars to unlock the doors. You can only get them by doing dungeons. So you used to be able to like buy them from the vendor and like complete side quests would give you stars and none of that reward starts anymore. Like you have to go in and, and do the dungeons. And the reason they want you to do that is that there's modifiers on all the dungeons and it used to just be like maybe one, maybe two things on a dungeon. And now there's like three dungeons and wards on every single one of them. So like all the enemies are at your level. There's a bunch of different modifiers and also you have to use specific power types. So it's like much more difficult and you have to, it makes you really think about what form and what powers you're going to use in order to conquer each individual dungeon. So uh, I found it really interesting and super fun. And it, Nobody Saves the World had such a great combat like gameplay loop that was just so much fun. So, I mean, like, who doesn't like exploding 25 enemies at once, like, <laughs> or being followed by a horde of zombies? <laughs> like, there's just so much fun to be had in that game. So, uh, yeah, I was, I had a lot of, I played a lot more of Nobody Saves the World over the weekend. Yeah, I do need to go back to that one. I, I feel like, uh, I feel it was one of those ones, because it's on Game Pass, you can kind of go back to it whenever you want. And I, I know it's not a Game Pass game that will live there forever because it's not a microsoft published title but uh yeah i i i don't really have an excuse for that one i feel like january was it was late january i think we were heading towards uh horizon i think was launching we were yeah horizon was the next big thing kind of after nobody saves the world so it was like it was horizon and then it was elden ring and and something else i feel like all came out in within a few weeks of each other at that point so yeah, nobody saves the world kind of fell off the radar, but yeah, so much fun. Yeah, I'll have to get back to it. It'll I'll put it on the list. And yeah, like I say, I really actually enjoyed the new game plus of it all. So I think I might uh, go and check out some of the other stuff. Like, well, I mean, Horizon's a really great example. I mean, I wanted to do more playthroughs of that and and finish off some achievements and stuff. So like maybe I should try a new game plus in Horizon. Instead of just, I I keep just starting over in new playthroughs and not actually doing, because uh, Horizon Zero Dawn anyway is one that I've played through a few times and I always just like play it on a different platform or, you know, whatever, just like start the new game or start a brand new save, <laughs> not a new game plus game. <laughs> so might be something to look into since I know I really enjoy that game and will definitely be doing some uh, some replays in it. So yeah, it was really good. What did you play this week? Well, I picked up a new game for the Nintendo Switch. It's a uh, Nintendo game, surprising no one. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I think that's all that's on the Switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll talk about a bit more about the Nintendo Switch later on in the show when it comes to the news. But um, I played Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes, which is uh, a follow up to the 2017 game. I didn't realize it launched uh, the, the last Fire Emblem Warriors game came out 
the end of the first year of the Switch. So late 2017. And the Warriors games are those ones like we played the Zelda one where like you can play a bunch of different characters and it's like waves on waves of bad guys and there's like gigantic big abilities. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we played I, I know both you and I played uh, uh, Hyrule Warriors. I, I wanted to yes. call it Zelda Warriors and that's what I have in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's Hyrule Warriors. Um, and I, I think I really enjoyed that one. It was the first Warriors game I ever played and, and finished. Uh, and I think it really came down to the fact that it had that Nintendo flavor with all the Zelda characters and, and bringing together, um, many, uh, of the entries into the Legend of Zelda, um, you know, representing, mm-hmm. you know, N64, Link to the Past, uh, you know, uh, I think there was even some Wind Waker stuff in there, Twilight Princess. So they kind of brought all the Zeldas together uh, in that one. And then in Fire Emblem Warriors, again, in 2017, they did the same thing. They they had they developed a story that brought together um, at least one hero from every uh, every game um, with with more heroes coming from more popular entries um, like the 3DS entries from Awakening and Fates. Um and then we, you you had Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, which just came out, uh, I guess, I, I thought it was last year, but it was actually 2020 that, that Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity came out, which was the sort of not sequel to Breath of the Wild, but like set within that world, but more of like a what if scenario. Right. I remember being totally not interested in it as soon as they said Breath of the Wild. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're saving that for Breath of the Wild 2, right? Like, you didn't yeah, wanna... yeah. I mean, well, because I know that one I'm going to have to play. But if they're like, oh, what if in this world you didn't like that much? I'm just like, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's I, I'm. I, I want to say your weapons don't break in Age of Calamity, <laughs> but you know what? Um, someone's going to have to correct me on that because I, 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 I'm pretty sure your weapons don't break. But, uh, you know, jokes aside, I think when you look at what Age of Calamity did, they focused in on, you know, let's make a Warriors game in one specific setting, allow us to tell like a like a a story within that world. Cause like the story in the first two warriors games that Nintendo worked on with uh Koei Tecmo were basically just like, what if a bunch of portals opened up and there was one bad guy and then we all fought this bad guy, but, but portals, you know, that brought, you know, characters from all <laughs> Don't the question it. They're portals. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they did it before end game. So it's, uh, they kind of, they made portals cool and, uh, I can't even. Endgame I can't even totally land. stole the idea. <laughs> I can't even land that joke because honestly, Endgame's that portal scene is amazing. And and again, like <laughs> in Warriors, it's really just how do we bring all these characters into one one game? And of, of course, it's portals. Uh, so they they kind of drop that with Age of Calamity, and then again with Three Hopes, and they they choose a specific game. And and in both these cases, it's a the last popular entry in the franchise. So you had Breath of the Wild, and then with three hopes, which just launched on Friday, you have three houses. And I think with both these franchises, you know, Legend of Zelda and Fire Emblem, you very rarely get a sequel involving that world, those characters, they really do kind of move on um, from, from that universe and and craft a whole new one in its place uh, that, that has similar, you know, 
characters and and storylines and stuff but it's but it's a whole new set of characters and but it still feels within that franchise you know mm-hmm. um obviously we're getting breath of the wild too so like nintendo's breaking that sort of pattern with legend of zelda this go around but um fire emblem it's usually they do one and they create a whole new you know uh story location characters and all that so you know, when Three Houses came out, I, I figured like, oh, we'll, we'll play Three Houses. We'll enjoy this experience. It was nice that they crafted, you know, four different routes that you could explore uh, with completely different stories. So you got a really decent, you know, collection of time with with all these characters and you get to experience this world in four different paths, which is pretty cool. Uh, and they pulled that off and I thought, OK, that's what we're going to get. And then we got the D- and we got DLC for it as well, which expanded it further. Um, but I figured that'd be it. But with Three Hopes, they do something similar to Age of Calamity where they, you know, pick up Three Houses and they say, okay, let's do a what if story. Um, what if uh, Byleth, who's the main character in Three Houses, was, I don't want to say a villain, but is like playing against the new main character. So there's a new main character. Um, their name is uh, Shez, I believe. Uh, again, like it's, you can choose the name so they don't really voice it. Um, mm. So, like, I'm pretty sure it's Shez. And uh, and you can choose to play as male or female, similar to how in Three Houses you could choose, you know, Byleth to be male or female. Uh, and you get to make that choice again because Byleth appears as, again, like, at the beginning of the game, it very much feels like uh, they're the villain. But really, like, they're just, they're playing opposite you as the main character. And instead of Byleth being recruited to the school, which was a major uh, point in Three Houses, you as uh, the mercenary Shez gets recruited to the school, but not as a professor, as a student. So that's like a big shift between Three Houses and Three Hopes is that instead of Byleth being recruited to the school, uh, you are recruited to the school as a, as a mercenary, as a student, and uh, you get to pick your house and and basically that sets what route you're going to take through the game. Uh, so you get a choice between the three houses. You have uh, the Black Eagles, the Golden Deer, and um, uh, Dimitri's. <laughs> Obviously the one that you didn't pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No offense to Dimitri fans. I think it's Blue Lions, but for some reason my brain's like, that's not it. Don't say it. It's like, you know what? Why isn't I- it Golden Lions and Blue something else? Uh, because deer? Blue Deer don't really work, do they? <laughs> Well, then why does it have to be a deer? Why couldn't it be blue birds or I don't know? <laughs> I don't know. These are valid questions. Don't get me wrong. I'm <laughs> I'm not sure exactly. I mean, uh, the, and that's not that's I don't even know if that's their like house names. Like they have uh, like one's the Empire. I think Black Eagles are the Empire, and then uh, the Blue Lions are like the Kingdom of Fargus, which is more like they're more associated with uh, the Church that. It plays a huge role in the game. Uh, and then the Golden Deer are the Alliance, which are like a bunch of different uh, houses that have sort of formed an alliance together and, th- and they have their own area as well. So, I mean, I, I'm terrible at remembering, you know, details is like Fire Emblem's <laughs> tough because there's a lot of names and there's a lot of, you know, uh, places to remember. And I am terrible at that. Uh, but I am great at mashing the Y button over and over again to destroy many, many enemies across many, many maps. Uh, so, like that's sort of the setup for the game is that you're playing as Shez. You pick a you pick a house to to hang out with, 
and uh, that sets your your route. And similar to three houses, there is a time jump. Once you've picked your uh, your house, there's a two year time jump. Um, in the in the first game, there was a five year time jump, um, and that kind of allows you to basically leave the school. So uh, similar to the first game, which part one played a huge chunk, it was basically I think almost half the game uh, where you were going to school. In this one, you're at school for maybe one chapter, and then mm, two years. So later. basically, like the tutorial to teach you the game. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> yeah, which was the demo. So there's a demo available yeah. right now. If you are curious, you can go check that out. It gives you pretty much all the way up to chapter four. You can't finish chapter four, but it does get you into chapter four and give you a good idea of how the game is sort of laid out. And it allows you to pick your house and you can import that save into the main game. So I felt pretty good in that I could, I was playing this demo over the last couple of weeks. And then when the game launched, I was like, oh, I just jump right in. I already have my house picked and um, I was ready to to finish off chapter four. So yeah, I am I am really enjoying the game. I think like from a gameplay pr- perspective, it's very much still a warrior's game. You are sort of going into a map, you're running around and like you control a single character at a time. You are defeating enemies that are quickly dispatched sometimes you're fighting stronger enemies that may or may not be holding on to like a fort of some kind and you kind of have to whittle away at their health and that can take time depending on if you're the same level as the enemy is but uh it's it's all really good fun and and as you said jocelyn like you build up some meters you get some um some resources to pull off like a i don't know what they call i think it's like your warrior gauge and you can sort of activate it with the a button and you do like a big flashy move that will sort of scoop up. It really feels like you're scooping up every enemy in your sort of area. And then you're just doing like, you're just swinging your sword around and then, you know, a bunch of stuff happens and there's a giant magic explosion and, and they all like fade into the distance and stuff. But there are these like big bombastic moves that you can do to kind of clear a, um, a large grouping of enemies. Uh, so that is very satisfying. Uh, but there are also like abilities where you you have like multiple heroes on the map and you kind of order them around. And I think that's where this game has really taken what they, you know, the improvements they made in Age of Calamity. And they've really taken that and improved upon it further in that, A, when you give orders to your other heroes, because you can't control everybody at once, you can kind of like tell the AI like, okay, I want this, I want the archer person to go to this fort because it's being held by a by a flying unit, and while you're doing that, I'm going to ask. Uh, I'm not using names specifically because I know I'm going to screw them up. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get like you know this uh, this knight dude to go to this fort because he can he has a lance and he can fight against you know sword units. And there's like similar to Fire Emblem uh, traditional games, there is a weapon triangle where lance beats sword and sword beats axe and axe beats lance and so on and so forth and there are advantages to sort of take it take advantage of and in, in that you can you know gain a an upper hand in a battle by paying attention to um whether you have the right weapon equipped and the difference between this one and all the other warriors games i've played is that really previous to this when you were sort of inputting commands for your heroes to follow that was really just to get them to move to an area. Then you had to switch to them manually, control them and, and, you know, do the fighting. And then that was the only way to progress. But in this game, it really feels like they've bumped the AI up in a way where 
when you send them to do a task, they will often accomplish it on their own, which is, again, <laughs> saying it out loud sounds like, really, Ryan? Like, it feels like they should have been yeah, doing that. Yeah, the game playing the game for you? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I would just say, like, it feels as though you can't rely on the AI solo. Like, you can't just say, like, okay, AI, go do your thing, and I'm going to just, you know... um, fight Sit back and watch <laughs> yeah exactly with with this one character it, it doesn't work like that i mean there are smaller maps where you could maybe get away with them doing the ai doing most of the work but really like it just feels like when they're out there doing their task they're actually accomplishing it they're actually working towards that goal and sometimes they will take the fort on their own but most of the time it's they're just they're there doing their role and you might have to step in to kind of finish it up. But for the most part, it just it really feels like they've improved the AI in a way where you don't have to babysit it. You can kind of just let it go on its own. And that makes the game more fun because honestly, like micromanaging is not that fun. It depends on <laughs> the kind of style of game you want to play. Because <laughs> I feel like there's so many games like that. <laughs> the people play, so they must be fun. <laughs> no, no, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I think in this specific instance where like it's a huge map there are these huge areas with a bunch of things you have to accomplish to finish the map it can be nice knowing that i've put a lot of work into making sure my archer person is very powerful so that when i send them out they should be able to you know take care of uh, a unit that they have an advantage on in terms of like archer beats flying unit like they have like a, a double advantage there and Again, like it's just it just makes the map move a little quicker. And that was always my issue with the Warriors games where it's like they have they're very dense games. There's a lot of content in there and the gameplay is pretty repetitive. You remember Hyrule Warriors like it was very Mm -hmm. repetitive gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. So like this just speeds it up a little bit. But like I said, I I think I've put 15 hours into it, including my demo time. Um, So. And I and I feel like the story is progressing, but like there's a lot of gameplay in there. Um, but I will say this, like I really love the way they set up the maps. It's all chapter based. So very similar to Fire Emblem Three Houses, um, where like there's a chapter where it's like you start, you have your base camp and then there's like this overworld map and it kind of shows you like, OK, here are the areas you needed to take in order to unlock the end of chapter battle, which is a little like. You know, sometimes it's like three or four chunks of the map uh, ahead that you have to progress through. And there are some optional areas that you can sort of complete that will give you more resources if you complete them. Um, But there are like maybe three or four smaller encounters before you get to the final encounter of the chapter. And unlike Age of Calamity, where it's just like as you progress through the game, they're just like continuously adding more pins to the map it's the same breath of the wild map but as you progress it's like there are now hundreds of pins on the map um and it's like it's just it's crazy you have to use the filter system to see what you're doing but at first glance it's like i have no idea what i need to do right now like or what i could do um (laughs) i can hit a button that goes to the main chapter or the next you know story map but like there are literally hundreds of other encounters i could do here uh which is overwhelming. But again, with Three Hopes, they've really trimmed that down and been like, okay, you can see the four or five encounters that are part of this chapter. You can just do enough to unlock the final battle, or you can do them all, and they're usually pretty short, maybe 
10, 15 minutes to, to get through each encounter. And you're unlocking resources to upgrade your, your camp and stuff. So there's a, like a huge metagame where you're kind of, you know, using resources collected to upgrade your facilities, which allows you to train your heroes more. And they have all of that from previous uh, Warriors games, but it doesn't feel as doesn't feel as time consuming in that like, oh, I got to go back to this specific map so I can get more helms like <laughs> to I need 100 helms so that I can unlock this one little power up on one of my heroes. Um, and that's what Age of Calamity was. But again, in Three Hopes, they drop a majority of that. They funnel it into like maybe so far 10 different facilities in your camp. But for your heroes, they really take on like the three houses uh, method of training your heroes and that like you're unlocking specific classes. You can gain more experience in that class by using them in battle or you can train them at the training facility. And it, it just doesn't feel as though I have to spend a lot of time going back to a specific map and saying like, OK, I need to to get more belts so that I can upgrade this guy's ability to shoot faster you know so anyways i i've just i've been really enjoying uh my time with it although i do find that i can't play it for too long because it again it, it's very re- it's still repetitive it's still a warrior's game yeah it's yeah it's still button smashing <laughs> exactly so after about an hour and a half or two hours i'm like okay i need to take a break go do something else because really i'm just i'm running through this and Again, it's so much fun to be back with these Three Houses characters and they've added more support conversations and because it's technically like a parallel story to Three Houses, like they've kind of taken characters from Three Houses that were um, that die in the story or, or are just mentioned and they bring them back in Three Hopes and like there's actual story reasons for them still being alive and you're interacting with them and it it is really cool. Like they kind of take some characters that were like on the periphery of three three houses and bring them into your roster so that you can use them and explore more of of their backstory and stuff. So like you're actually getting more information. Yeah, it's nice. It sounds like they're like fleshing out the story. Yeah, exactly. Without like, well, I mean, because you to bring it back to the beginning, like you talked about Age of Calamity, how it was like a what if in the world of Breath of the Wild, and it's like it sounds like with um, three hopes instead what they're doing is saying like hey all the stuff in your game still happened this exists in the same universe here's some more info yeah and also we're telling a story at the same time but like yeah it sounds more like tied together yeah i think that they obviously there's a stronger foundation with three houses being like a a very story-based game um with breath of the wild having a very minimal story, which served yeah. <laughs> the, the gameplay, but it had a it had a minimal story. And I think Age of Calamity, like the what if was like, what if there was, you know, a smaller sentinel? I think called Guardians. It's like a small guardian. What if he went back into like, he traveled through a portal? Let's be honest. They they brought portals back for Age of Calamity as well. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, they used a portal to go back in time. And basically they had Guardian tech sooner. And I think that that changed everything really. And it's, it's, I think age of calamity, it's been out for a while, but like age of calamity is more about like, what if we didn't fail? You know, what if we were able to actually hold our own and, and save the universe without having to wait a hundred years. So <laughs> it's, it's an interesting game, but again, I think it is held back by its warriors ness of it. in that like, there's a lot of grinding to be done. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but with Three Hopes, it feels like they've they've kind of they haven't eliminated the it. problems. Yeah, they kind of moved it into an area where you can safely ignore it and just focus on the story and not worry about finding a bunch the of grind. different resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you're having a really good time in it, and uh, I mean, I, you're you're done though, right? Like you finished it now? Oh no, <laughs> no, I'm not, oh. I'm not finished it. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were done. <laughs> There's still quite a bit to go. I feel like it's going to be a huge game. So, yeah. All right. Well, we'll look for for updates in the coming weeks then. (laughs) Uh, Wanted to say a quick thank you to Josh Cook, who was our June patron. You can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in if you like what we do here. Uh, We've got a couple more patrons coming up. Uh, This is it's the end of June, Ryan. Like, where did that go? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we've got a couple more patrons. We're going to start thanking next week. But uh, yeah, thank you to everybody who's been so supportive for us over at patreon.com slash the gamers in. We really appreciate you not only listening to the show and interacting with us in the discord, but also supporting us monetarily. It does help quite a lot so that Ryan and I can keep trying all the new stuff. And we have a lot of new stuff coming out of the Nintendo Direct Mini. Uh, So this, I mean, the first thing that caught my eye, because I know you had a great time in it, is Mario and Rabbids. So we got a we got an actual date for when the sequel is coming out now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be coming out. uh, I think October 20th is the date they dropped. Which I mean, how excited are you? Because like it was it was adorable and stupid, but. (laughs) <laughs> like it wasn't my type of gameplay, but like I, I really enjoyed watching Matt play this. <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoyed the first Mario uh, plus Rabbids. And, and the thing is, I think it was the not as, it was not the Rabbids. I mean, like, let's be let's be straightforward here. Like, I think the Rabbids are um, not not as not not that great like they're, they're okay they're ridiculous <laughs> they are ridiculous and i think in small doses they're really cool and i think because when you kind of take mario for me it was the mario stuff obviously combined with the XCOM type gameplay um and then when you mix in the rabbits it, again it adds this um goofiness goofiness this zaniness that that really brings the whole package together um but I never did finish that first one, which again is like, it should not even be a surprise. Oh, Ryan didn't finish the game. He really enjoyed it, but he didn't finish <laughs> it. He probably played like 75% of it and then never, and then something distracted him. But um, I did play all of the DLC, which was focused on uh, Donkey Kong, um, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but this new one, I think what really excites me is that uh, it, first of all, they've, they've kind of... Uh, updated the the combat a little bit where it's it's more real-time movement um and you're going to be able to move in sort of any direction in within a range uh as opposed to before where it was like more of like you could only move six squares or something like you had a movement uh ability but now they've upgraded to be range based which is which is nice and i think will allow um more folks to to check this out like it's still turn-based it's still sort of percentages and like, oh, am I going to hit with this ability? But they've introduced more real-time components where you were able to like do a um, tackle move uh, before you have to take your final shot. Um, you can also pick up the bombs and, and hurl them, you know, in real time as you're playing. So like, I think there's just more action to the combat as opposed to just being strictly turn-based. I think a lot of people will, will appreciate for sure. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think there's actually, I mean, as of this recording, um, it's before, but they're going to have a deep dive stream uh, uh, that will be available uh, probably by the time you're listening to this. So there, there's going to be more details <laughs> more um, info. Yeah. Yeah, soon. So I, I'll definitely be watching that. And I'm, I was kind of hoping this would be a summer title. Like it's a good, it would be a good August release, but I'll take October. Like October's uh, a good date as well. Like there's not a lot coming out. Um, yeah. so it's nice to have that on the calendar. Absolutely. Uh, and then persona three, four and five are all coming to switch as well. Yeah. I know like I'm not a huge persona person, but I know a lot of people in the discord talk about persona a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, uh, it's I've beloved. <laughs> yeah. I've tried persona, uh, persona, uh, I've persona. Tri- <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've tried uh, Persona Five on the PlayStation, and and I I enjoyed it. I, I see the appeal for sure. And I again, like I I don't think I I don't think I gave it a, a fair shake, but I, or maybe like they usually do the thing where it's like, oh, here's Persona Five, but now here's like Persona Five Royal, so it's got like a new character and updated mechanics. And I'm like, oh, well, I kind of want to play that, but I I just bought this one, so. Um, I, but I am excited because obviously we talked, um, I don't know if we talked about it, but uh, Persona is essentially been a franchise that's kind of been locked to the PlayStation uh, platform uh, until recently they started, I think they released um, two and maybe maybe three on Steam. Uh, but with this, with this sort of entry, like they're going to start with Persona 5 Royale, it's going to be coming to Xbox, Switch, Steam, uh, starting in October and they're actually going to be releasing uh four and three afterwards in 2023 on all those platforms. So it's a honestly, big deal. I thought you just kept forgetting how many of the personas were coming to switch. Cause you put it like five, four, three. And I was like, why not three, four, five, Ryan? What, is, what are these notes? It's like, Oh, that's release order. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. And again, like, um, I think that I, it, I, I much prefer like the, the release order, like being, you know, the most recent one, bring it to all the platforms, then work your way backwards. Cause I mean, really like when you look at the persona franchise, three was a PlayStation portable. So you can just imagine sort of the time frame of which that came out. Uh, and that was, I think before the Vita and then four, I think was also a Vita game that then got ported to, to PlayStation. Wasn't the PSP like 2008 ish it was a while ago uh yeah. yeah but five is the one that launched uh i think that one was ps3 ps4 so i think it was the mm. first one that kind of escaped the handheld off oh, i mean it escaped it because sony stopped making handhelds i was gonna say there were no more handhelds <laughs> <laughs> if anything it was just like uh, yeah so i and then uh and then i don't think it ever came to ps5 but with this release they are going to be uh coming to ps5 and, and xbox and stuff but yeah, like I, um, I'll pro- I'll likely check this one out on Game Pass. But I know a lot of people are excited to be able to play Persona on a handheld again. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- it's a it's big news because not only have these been locked to the PlayStation uh, generations, but you know now we're now you can play them on anything. I, I think people were just excited to get them on Steam um, when they started sort of testing the waters with uh, with I think a Steam release a couple years ago of I think it was Persona Two golden i think it was and again i'm not a persona expert so i'm probably getting some of this stuff wrong and and folks will <laughs> correct as needed in the discord but um 
Yeah, I'm excited uh, to check this out. I, I likely won't pick it up on Switch because it, it it has been announced to come to Game Pass day right. one. Um, but yeah, I, I I I mean, one of the best things about Persona, and you probably if you watch the trailers, you, you heard in the trailers, is the music. It's just got a very unique musical style that I've just not experienced in other video games, and and uh, I am looking forward to checking these out in October. Uh, and then the, I guess when, when the actual direct happened, um, portal was announced to be coming to the switch literally that day. So it's already out. You can go get it now. Um, and I'm kind of like portals, one of those games that I know is really good. And that even though it's puzzles, I, I know I'm going to walk into those rooms and go, what the I, how do I do this? Even though I've done it before, but also like obviously portals 13 years old, that 14 more way, many, many years old now. <laughs> yeah, I remember. So portal two is definitely um, a game that we played for this show. Yeah, I feel like portal two was in like the 2011, 2012 ish area. And then obviously Portal came before that. So I'm yeah. thinking again, like Portal was part of the orange box, right? Which was like the first thing to, or the like a bundly thing of little titles that came out for Xbox. Yeah, I think Portal came with uh, orange box, which was. Yeah. Which, yeah, which was definitely Xbox and PC. And now that I think of it, was it PlayStation? I don't think sure. so. It's hard to say. I mean, yeah. Portal is one of those things where um, and we were talking about so long. <laughs> It's been a while, but uh, I was kind of thinking about this collection. It's it's only twenty five bucks Canadian, which is a steal, I think, for these titles. Um, obviously, I think we both own them on PC, but I'm like, I'm kind of tempted to check these out. Again. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. Is that this news? I went. I already own these things, but also I kind of just want to buy them again because they're so good. And maybe I shouldn't buy them again. I should just play them again wherever I have them. I definitely have them on Steam. And I'm just trying to remember if I had them on Xbox as well or if it was just something I played on uh, on my computer. But anyways, regardless, uh, Portal is definitely worth worth checking out if you never have before. Um, and then uh, Return to Monkey Island. I know everyone's very excited about this. Uh, so it's a first on consoles release on Switch. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't play the original, but I think you did, didn't you, Ryan? I didn't know. I've, oh. I've, uh, I think I played. I was like, I thought we had talked about Monkey Island previously. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Maybe I'm just going crazy. <laughs> For Monkey Island, I remember playing the Telltale games uh, or game that came out, um, which they did say would not be. So this is a sequel that is going to take place after one and two, uh, completely ignoring everything that came up out after that. But yeah, I've never played the originals. Um it's it's kind of a it's kind of a missing gap in my in my gaming and i know it's a huge all that lucasfilm stuff is huge right and i never played much of it honestly i i, I missed that whole chunk of games uh when they came out so yeah do you think that we're going to be able to like jump into return to monkey island without having played the first two i think so i think i think the biggest hurdle for me i can say this is that it will just be trying to um play that type of game because it's it's a very specific style of like yeah. a point and click adventure which I've, i just don't have a lot of experience with but i think story-wise like i mean honestly like i think it was less about the story I, I could be completely wrong here but my assumption is i think it was less about the story and more just about the 
fun antics of being a pirate. And uh, I, I hope people correct me here, but I, I can't remember if there was like this overarching story that we'll have to to know about. I, I think they'll reintroduce us to these characters because, again, it's been it's been a years. long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe more than 20 years, actually, now that I think about it, because uh, it wasn't 2000. It was it was earlier than that. Um, but yeah, I remember playing the the Monkey Island Telltale game and, and they and and, and they kind of reintroduced that must you to be what characters. I'm thinking. Yeah, that must be what I'm thinking of. Yeah, is that you played the Telltale version? <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, oh 1990. So yeah. Oh 30, geez, so 30 32 years, years ago. <laughs> yeah, they have to. They have to reintroduce the characters here. <laughs> like yeah. there will be yeah. a what happened last on Monkey Island yeah. <laughs> recap. <laughs> Don't worry. I mean, it looks like there's a lot of characters, and uh, I mean, like I know that uh, you were saying that it didn't seem to have a lot of story in the original, but it seems like that it's like I mean, there's a lot of different settings and a lot of different characters in the gameplay trailer. So, yep, yep, I'm sure it's probably a, a pretty big experience. And I mean, things have changed so much in 32 years in the gaming space, just in terms of what devs can do, right? You can say that for computing in general. So it's a much different landscape now than it was in 1990. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there you go. You've got yeah, Monkey Island, uh, the return of Monkey Island. And I, and I mean, this was one that was announced uh, earlier this year. This is actually mm-hmm. our first gameplay look as well, because I don't think they had yeah. gameplay before no and, this yeah. is the yeah this is the first gameplay trailer yeah it looked really cool i, I mean i i do appreciate like i was kind of looking at it, i was like oh they went they went more old school with the art style which i think is mm-hmm. is very it's a awesome. really neat looking art style i like it a lot uh and then finally the well i mean there's tons of stuff in this direct guys so i mean we'll have links in the show notes if you guys uh didn't manage to catch it but um one other one i know caught your eye and and mine as well honestly it was uh is it blank or blank <laughs> french way or or english way <laughs> i mean like my instinct is is just to say blank right like right? It's... yeah <laughs> but i'm like is that our french coming out or Maybe. <laughs> um yeah, but it, anyways, um, it's this uh, like little no text game experience that has this teeny tiny little baby like wolf and this little fawn and they have to find their way home in the snow. And it was like tugging at my heartstrings just in the trailer. <laughs> I was like, I really want to play this. And it's a co-op experience. It looks really cool. It looks really adorable. Yeah, it's. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, there was there was a game that came out a while ago, and I think it was the um, some it was an indie game. Now I'm trying to remember what it is, but it was like a black and white sort of ink style game, and it very much looked like hand drawn. And and this one's more like a everything's everything's done in black and white sort of you Mm -hmm. know ink style, like uh, etched into the the sort of the landscape and stuff. And then you have these two characters that are interacting with you with each other. And yeah, just when I saw it, I was like, it immediately I latched onto it. Cause again, like it very much looks like this hand drawn hand animated style. And yeah, like it looks so cool. And it looks like one of those games that you could, like they say, like they want everyone to enjoy it. So there's like, there's no text. It's just really, you know, puzzle solving and movement and everything's sort of represented by um, 
you know, the on-screen interactions with the characters. Yeah, like expressions. Like yeah. you can tell when the characters are like happy, sad, curious, angry. <laughs> yeah, it just looks so great. And again, like it's it's like for those wondering, like it is a a Switch launch uh launch console exclusive but it is going to be coming to steam as well as um, i'm kind of just as i'm trying to re-familiarize myself with it, it i'm looking at the steam page right now um it's targeting a, a q1 2023 release date but yeah like it's just it's so like i love when they sort of showcase these unique sort of takes on games like i think like that was the big thing about Obviously, this is a Nintendo Direct Mini. It's focused on third-party games that are coming to the Nintendo Switch in the next year or so. Um, and it's not its not what the internet wanted. The internet wants, like, where's my Zeldas? Where's my Marios? Where's my Metroids from, Ugh, from Nintendo? Screw off, internet. <laughs> I know. The internet is, 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 is uh, it thinks it's right, but it's, it's not right all the time. Um, but yeah, I think, like, this was a really solid presentation from Nintendo for that focus on third parties and it was varied and and because the video kind of dropped you could watch it like if you wanted to watch it right when it launched you could scrub through it if if there was something that oh you know there's a there's some games that obviously we didn't talk about but there was some stuff in there like it's not for me so i'm gonna forward through this mega mm-hmm. man collection or this pac-man collection and i'm sure there are folks that will want to check out those games and that's great but like i was still able to find a good chunk of fun in this direction, but I think Blanc was one of those that that stood out to me as like, oh man, I'm really looking forward to trying this game at launch because it it just looks so unique and it's I really appreciate that. Yeah, I find for me, anyways, anything that's done in black and white almost immediately catches my attention. Yes, which is almost like counterintuitive, but because everything we do now is colorful. It's like when something looks a little bit more old school or like black and white or sepia or whatever, um, it very much is like, oh, that's different, <laughs> even though it like it technically is like more basic. Right. <laughs> it's just two colors or one color and the lack of color or anyways, <laughs> it's it's it just it's it's eye catching to me because it's different. Yeah. And there's more work that that has to go into the attention to detail when they're crafting a game that is using solely black and white, because again, like they've got to, when you remove a lot of that, that color, there's a lot more work that goes into like, okay, how do we make stuff stand out? Like, yes. With, yeah. You know, specific shading or more animation or, you know, having less animation in the background. Like, I think there's a lot more attention to detail that has to go into the design of the game. And that's where I find like, with games like Blanc that stand out to me, it's like, oh, this is a really cool use of this style. And uh, it's got that old school sort of animation feel to it, similar to how Cuphead had that as well. Mm. Um, but this gameplay looks a lot more <laughs> in my wheelhouse, um, <laughs> you know, not yeah. punishing, basically. <laughs> yeah, this this looks like just a, a fun little experience. Like, I don't even necessarily want to call it a story, um, because again, there's no text in it. There's no like voice acting or whatever. It's just like, you know, it just is. <laughs> and I, and I like that. Cause obviously, well, I was going to say, obviously wolves and deer don't talk. And then I was like, except for in like every other video game ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, this wolf and this deer don't talk, <laughs> but yeah, they do work together, which is really cute. Yes. When the, when the little wolf pup, 
went up in the log and then the deer was like, I think I'm still mad at you because you might try to eat me, but also I'm going to help you. I was like, oh my God, my heart is just swelling right now. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't like a Disney movie where they had to explain all the, that stuff that you, you went yeah. through, right? It's just, it was, it was animated and you could feel it. So um, yeah, no, it, it looks really cool. It was a solid uh, direct mini. And, and, you know, I think Nintendo is... They've, they've, you know, they've had, they have not had their Ghost of E3 presentation that you would normally expect on the second week of June. Um, and we still don't know if they will have something like that in, in the near future. I, I suspect we will. I mean, the last direct was in February and they have some titles to update us on. I was going to say, I feel like they do the really big ones every six months or so, right? So if the next, if the last one was in February, I wouldn't expect anything till like August probably. Yeah, and I mean, from a timeline perspective, like if you look at their releases, we just had Three Hopes, um, and then they did a deep dive on on Xenoblade Chronicles Three just last week. Uh, yeah, because that's coming really soon. That's only a month away, right? Yeah, end of July. So again, like yeah. they're getting out there, they're getting past like the releases that are already set in stone that they have marketing already started for. Like there was a brief glimpse of experiences coming to the Switch in this partner showcase which did include three hopes um which is technically developed by uh, by a non-nintendo studio but um yeah like i i think i would expect a nintendo direct before the summer is out because there are a lot of games that they they still have to give us updates on for the rest of the year yeah i would expect kind of like once xenoblade chronicles 3 is out at the end of july i think they'll probably come back to us like first week or two of august and be like okay and here's everything that's coming in fall and holiday 2022. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, the first year of the pandemic, they kind of had a similar, uh, like in 2021 last year, they kind of went back to their direct style where they had the direct in June. And, and, uh, from what I remember, but 2020 first year of the pandemic, they kind of had a different approach where they're like, okay, we're going to just drop trailers for games with release dates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that was how we got paper Mario. Uh, that came out that that summer and a lot of people didn't appreciate that approach but like at the end of the day like we still knew the games were coming we still got details for them and uh, they were still announced (laughs) when they came out (laughs) Uh, but you know I I think like when you look at Xenoblade Chronicles 3 like it's such a huge game and they did have a, a direct solely devoted to it last week. And I, and I did end up watching it and for those listening we're not going to go into spoilers because again it's a 20 minute direct focus solely on this jrpg like if i could even remember the character names like you know you'd be like you're cheating you have notes <laughs> i was gonna say so i we haven't talked about the deep dive into xenoblade chronicles 3 yet and you finished xenoblade chronicles and xenoblade chronicles 2 right um because that was you did that eight eight or nine months ago now yeah um are you excited about three like does it look really cool or do, are you excited for the story to continue like what what are your thoughts I I am I definitely did not finish. <laughs> yeah, two is uh, so I didn't finish. I've never finished the first one, and I've always oh, meant okay. to go back to it. Um, and I know they re-released I couldn't remember when Switch. you were doing that that playthrough if it was both of them or if it was just two. It was just two, and and two is a a very big game, and uh, I never did uh, go back and play the expansion pass. So I feel like if I wanted to sort of get back into that world, I could go back because there was a whole expansion story that they added uh to two with the expansion pass that kind of went into the past of that world 
Um, and, and the Xenoblade Chronicles games are connected through, like, obviously, similar to Fire Emblem, they're connected through, like... Um, the universe, not necessarily the characters? Yeah, they're all new characters, but, like, you can tell it's a Xenoblade Chronicles game. And, right. Um, but there are... But unlike Fire Emblem, there is this, like, weird connective thread that works through the games in the background. Uh, and they kind of tied them... Like, it was, like... It's not... I don't even know. Let's say this. It's a little bit of a spoiler, but I'll say it. Like, I think, like, one and two had a connection at the very end, right? But throughout the game, it's like it's only a sequel in name until you get to the end. It's like it's just a throwaway line of like, oh, wow, these are connected. Um, in three... <laughs> wow, Ryan, such spoilers. You gave so much away. I know. How dare you? <laughs> I didn't even say how they were connected. Uh, <laughs> but in but in three, they're, even in the key art, you're seeing, you know, big hints at this is a continuation of both one and two, and there will be some connections that are, that will be seen and felt. Um, or it could Probably be completely much sooner wrong. than, Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. So again, like it, it's such a complex world that I cannot, I cannot sit here and, and say like, I understand it because I, I, I just play the game. I just enjoy the gameplay. And like, there's a lot of stuff story-wise that, that flies over my head, but um <laughs> I am excited for three. Uh, I'm not excited by the fact that it's probably going to be this huge game. That... You say you're probably looking at another like hundred hour game. <laughs> I know. And it's uh, I, I have to make sure I don't get burnt out on switch and hundred hour games by playing Fireman Warriors leading up to Xenoblade Chronicles three. So I'll, I'll need some, some break games in there just to kind of uh, break it up a little bit, but uh, I'm excited to play it. And um, this deep dive that they went into, like they they talked more about the story and uh, they're they're bringing forward uh, the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 battle system, making some tweaks to it. Uh, But it is very similar to Xenoblade Chronicles 2. But what they've added are some sort of ultimate forms, I guess, that you can, you know, merge two characters together and they become like a specific type of uh so in the second one they had blades i think the blades are gone and the blades were sort of like these sort of extra characters you could have along the way um that had specific powers and stuff but in this one i feel like it it is more character based again but there are these Mm -hmm. opportunities to sort of join forces with with a set other character and become something similar to what was a blade in in the previous game um but they they also announced like there's like a seventh slot in your party that can be filled by many different characters. So you like, it's kind of weird when you think of a a JRPG or an RPG in general, like you've got your, by the, by the three quarters of the game, you've got your six folks. that are going to be part of your, your party that you can call upon when you go to do a mission. Uh, But in this game, it feels like you're going to have those six characters plus a seventh that you can kind of rotate out. um, And there's going to be a lot of options there. So I felt like that was a really cool way of handling like we got a lot of really cool characters that we want to have, you know, surrounding your party. So you can just bring whichever one along that you want. And I think that's a neat approach. It's it's complex, but it's neat for sure. Yeah. Well, I look forward to your thoughts in uh, at the end of July, I guess. And there's there's a couple things that we have to play between then and or between now and then because we've got um, we have still haven't played the quarry, so we have that to potentially uh, play and talk about. And Stray comes out in July, which is the robot cat game or cat oh. robot game. Yeah, <laughs> that's I think on the nineteenth. I want to say. 
yes. of July. So yeah. yeah, there's a there's a couple of little things to to sink our teeth into before <laughs> you get totally lost in Xenoblade Chronicles three. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what I don't want to do is I don't want to play it for a month and then drop it and then come back like four years later and be like, I should finish Xenoblade. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't a great strategy. (laughs) Uh, You know what? It it worked out in the end, I suppose. I did finish it eventually, but uh, it was a There must be a better way. (laughs) There's a better way. It's just not to drop it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or at least remember to go back to it. Uh, I think it was like a... It came out in December, the two, and then... It was like right before Christmas break. I think we talked about it in January and then we both kind of dropped it because, again, like it's such a weirdly busy time of year for games. Like February suddenly became this really great month to release video games. So uh, this year it'll be coming out late July, which I feel like is is a great time for this huge JRPG to come out because you can there will, as you said, there are other games coming out at the time, but not a lot of big titles released in the summer. Mm-hmm. So it's a good opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So we will let you guys know what we think. And if you want to make some suggestions or chat along with us as we play these things, head on over to bit.ly slash TGI discord and join in the conversation. It's always going, even when Ryan and I aren't in there, you guys are crazy. It's like, I come back there and it's like 200 missed messages. Holy crap. <laughs> you guys are super active. And so thank you. And we love you. And uh, yeah, Again, if you want to give us any suggestions of things that we can play while Ryan waits for Xenoblade Chronicles 2, bit.ly slash TGI Discord. That's going to do it for us this week. You can uh, follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.